Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of Sam Splaining Science. I'm Sam. I'm your host. I'll be Sam Splaining the Science. Today, we're talking about a phenomenon which you may be familiar with. You may have experienced this in your life. We're talking about burnout. Let's get to it. Hey everyone, how are you? I hope you're doing well. I'm sorry today's episode is one day late, um, but last week's episode was two days late, so I sense an improvement. I'm getting closer and closer back to the target release day of Tuesday. Maybe next week I'll get there. Don't count on it. (laughs) Um, But in my defense, not... Not that I think that I have to defend myself, but in my defense, I am averaging one episode a week, which is pretty good, you know? By Friday, you know you'll always have an episode from me, you know? Could be Tuesday, could be Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. I'll keep you on your toes. (laughs) But yeah, for today's episode, we're talking about burnout. And this is something that I have experienced myself, honestly, multiple times, and maybe you have as well. Um, Maybe you're in the middle or the beginning or end of a burnout right now as you're listening to this. If you are, I'm with you. I know how you feel. Um, Or maybe you're not in the middle of a burnout. Maybe you have no idea what burnout is. So you might be asking, what even is burnout? Like, what what does this mean, burnout? Well, thank you very much for asking because that's brings us to this week's questions. So this week we have three questions. The first one is, what is burnout? The second is, how can we prevent it? And the third is, what is an example of how burnout can have broader implications past the worker? As always, the sources are linked in the episode description. So getting into question one, what is burnout? So Older studies of burnout, like pre-2010, classified burnout as a medical condition. It was more like a psychological condition, experience. Um, But in 2019, the World Health Organization characterized burnout as an occupational phenomenon, not a personal phenomenon. So in the words of the International Classification of Diseases from the World Health Organization, Burnout is defined as, quote, a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And it's characterized by three dimensions. The first dimension is feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. So sometimes this isn't necessarily physical exhaustion, but emotional exhaustion. So feeling emotionally worn out or drained. The second dimension is increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism, negativism, negativism. That doesn't look like a word, but that's none of my business. Um, Feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job. So feeling distance not involved from your work responsibilities And then the third dimension is a reduced professional efficacy. So not feeling productive, not feeling effective um, 
at your job. The World Health Organization then goes on to say that burnout is specific to an occupational context, like I mentioned. So it's not used to describe your experiences in other areas of your life. So if you are exhausted, not from work, but from relationships with family or friends or romantic relationships or um, anything like that, that isn't necessarily burnout um, because burnout is solely in regards to your work, your occupation. So burnout can affect our mood. It can affect our motivation to do our jobs, and it can affect our productivity. Many people, myself included, um, I actually don't know if it's many people. I'm going to assume it's many people to make myself feel better. It might just be me, but people can sometimes determine their mood or their worth based off of their productivity. Not saying that that's the right thing to do, just that it's something that I do. Um, so it, burnout really is just like a cycle of feeling bad for whatever reason at work. And then that leads to feeling unmotivated, right? And when you're unmotivated, you don't do things. So you're not productive. So then you're feeling unproductive and then you're feeling bad about feeling unproductive and then you feel even more unmotivated. And for me, I've noticed it's just like a cycle of like feeling bad, feeling unmotivated, feeling unproductive, and then feeling bad again. Um, that was more anecdotal. The World Health Organization didn't say that. I did. But, I mean, just speaking from my experience. Um, but yeah, that is burnout. So essentially it's unmanaged chronic stress in the workplace that leads to energy depletion, feeling distance or cynical towards one's job, and feeling a reduced sense of personal efficacy. So hopefully that answers question one. We're zooming through these questions today, guys. Um, <laughs> question two, we're going to talk about ways in which we can prevent burnout. So uh, in a paper that was published by Dr. Patricia Rupert and colleagues in 2015, it's linked below. Um, it is a review paper that compiled previous studies about burnout in psychologists and summarized into one study um, what causes burnout and how to prevent it. So in this paper, at the end of the paper, they organized tips, science-based tips, on how to prevent burnout. Um, as I mentioned, this paper was published in 2015, so this paper included tips that were more specific to like personal life and like home life um, for ways to reduce burnout as well as occupational ways. Um, but for the initial summary, I'm just going to focus on the occupational respect, and then um, I'll read out the tips that they, all of the tips, including the personal tips that they give to reduce burnout. But the first question that they posed um, asked the question, what work demands increase the risk of burnout? So basically, what goes on at work that causes someone to have burnout or like increases the likelihood that this person will burn out? Did I say that this was about psychologists? 
Um, I forget if I said it. If I didn't mention it, the study is about psychologists. Um, so what, what causes burnout in psychologists? I'm pretty sure I said it, but just in case I didn't, I want to mention that. Um, so it's all in the context of like what job responsibilities, job environments that psychologists have. But I think, I mean, I'm not a psychologist and some of the things that they said I like relate to. So maybe it's applicable for people who are not psychologists. Anyway, um, so when they were looking at what work demands increase the risk of burnout in psychologists, one thing that they talked about was the number of hours worked. So the number of hours worked is positively related to burnout. Psychologists who work more hours or are more likely to experience more emotional exhaustion and more depersonalization with clients. So basically feeling emotionally disconnected from their clients. Um, and that's like the second dimension of the burnout that the World Health Organization outlined was feeling disconnected from their jobs. In addition to total number of working hours, studies found that exactly how psychologists spent their working hours also had an effect on the likelihood of burnout. So a few studies have shown that more administrative tasks like paperwork um, lead to greater levels of emotional exhaustion and lower levels of personal accomplishment in psychologists. And some studies have also shown that more time spent doing intervention or psychotherapy led to higher levels of personal accomplishment in psychologists. So that's more likely to lead to less burnout the more time that they spend doing psychotherapy. Um, there is, however, evidence to the contrary as well, that more psychotherapy leads to more burnout, more depersonalization um, in therapists, but this depends on the nature and the type of their clients, right? So when clients have more negative behaviors, when they're more aggressive, um, when they threaten violence towards others or towards themselves, when they have more psychotic behaviors, it's possible that psychologists require more emotional energy to work with these clients, and that will lead to more emotional drainage, which leads to a higher risk of burnout. So I don't know. I think the, um, the literature, the science kind of suggests both ways, and I think I can argue it both ways, right, of like psychologists, I'm assuming, become psychologists because they want to help people who have psychological conditions and disorders. So when they're able to do that job and work with those clients and work with those people, um, they feel a sense of fulfillment, right? They feel personally accomplished and more personal accomplishment is associated with lower burnout. So you would think that like that would sort of energize them in a way, but at the same time, if the clients are, if they have more negative behaviors, if they're more aggressive, it's going to take more energy, emotional energy from the psychologist to work with those patients, um, which can drain the psychologist emotionally and can lead to a burnout. So both of those things sort of make sense to me, even though they're like opposite. Um, but... That's science sometimes, you know? Sometimes, like, complete and total opposites are like, yeah, they're both right. <laughs> so that was the first question that the authors posed, is what are things like work responsibilities that can lead to burnout? 
But the second question that they asked was, um, what types of resources at work can reduce the risk of burnout in psychologists? So they focused on two main ideas here. The first one being control, like having control over a work schedule, having control over the activities that they do at work, having control over treatment or case management for psychologists. So psychologists that had more control at work had less emotional exhaustion, had less depersonalization, and had a greater sense of personal accomplishment. So the more control that a psychologist has, um, and potentially other workers in other fields, um, the less likely they are to experience these dimensions of burnout. The second idea that they talked about was the idea of support. So this is like encouragement, emotional support, um, sometimes like resources, support um, from coworkers, support from supervisors. Um, a couple of studies have shown that supervisor support was negatively related to emotional exhaustion and depersonalization and positively related to personal accomplishment. So in other words, more support from supervisors was associated with less emotional exhaustion, less depersonalization, and a greater sense of personal accomplishment, which is like a perfect recipe for not burning out. Sounds good to me. Um, one study showed the same pattern for coworker support as well. Um, but there's still more studies that should be done to like really clarify these relationships. And also more studies can be done to explore how workplace resources like education opportunity for employees, um, feedback systems, other factors can influence burnout risk. But to take away from this, there are things that the workplace could and should implement in order to keep employees from burning out. So from all of this, the authors of this paper offer some empirically supported guidance. That's a direct quote, but basically some tips for practicing psychologists. Um, I'm not a psychologist, as I said, but uh, it sounds good to me. And maybe if you hear these tips, there are some things that you can implement in your work um, environments as well um, in order to keep from burning out. So I'm going to read these five tips, um, just like excerpts from the paper. So the first one says, so the first one says, work demands such as long working hours, seeing difficult clients, and doing administrative paperwork tasks may place psychologists at risk for experiencing emotional exhaustion and depersonalization, the two key components of burnout. However, it is also important to note that there is a positive side to work demands in that they provide opportunities for building a sense of personal accomplishment. It may be important to monitor work demands not only to prevent being overwhelmed, but also to ensure that some involvement with work activities that can build a positive sense of accomplishment. The second tip says, the individual psychologist's response to work demands may be critical in predicting burnout. In fact, recent work on burnout has emphasized the importance of job-person fit, where burnout can best be understood as a mismatch between job demands and the person. 
it is important to strive to know oneself and attempt to adjust work demands to maximize a fit with one's interests, strengths, workload capacity, and limits or vulnerabilities. The third tip is paying attention to building and using resources at work is important for reducing risk of burnout. We speculate that control may allow one to structure work life so that demands do not become unmanageable and lead to exhaustion and may allow one to use strengths to meet demands and build a sense of personal accomplishment. Research also suggests that support at work is important for building a sense of personal accomplishment. The fourth tip is personal resources are also important for reducing risk of burnout. We add a note of caution here by emphasizing that research on personal resources is very limited, but many recommendations indicate the importance of self-awareness and monitoring of having active cognitive strategies for gaining a constructive perspective on one's work and setting of appropriate boundaries and of having activities and interests outside of work. Finally, maintaining work-life balance is important. Although this is increasingly emphasized in professional literature as being important for general well-being, there is some limited research evidence that it is also beneficial to one's functioning at work. So those are the five tips that the authors curated based on previous literature. Maybe those tips clicked with you a bit, either for now in your current work-life uh, situation, or maybe when you're looking for your next job, you know to ask about things like work hours um, and your ability to control your future work uh, workload and uh, like the support in a given work environment. Uh, and all those things will help you to prevent burnout. Cool. So let's go on to the third and final question which is, what is an example of how burnout can have broader implications past the worker, past the employee? Um, hopefully this will give us some context to the importance of burnout and how we should be taking it seriously because, um, you know, depending on the job, it'll look differently. But regardless of your job, burnout is a serious phenomenon that shouldn't just be like, oh, get over it. You know, it's like a real problem. Um, the one example that I'm going to be talking about today is a study of nurses. I actually just summarized this paper for my postdoc press office blog. Um, so that's why I'm including it in this episode. That's why this episode was about burnout. That's what we in the biz call a double dip. We call it efficiency. Okay. So <laughs> let's talk about uh, nursing and burnout in nursing. So as I mentioned, burnout can look different in different job settings. Um, studies suggest that around 40% of the nursing workforce in the United States is burned out. And this measure was before the global pandemic. So I can only imagine that that number has skyrocketed since 2020. Um, to prevent or resolve burnout, nursing work environments should have appropriate autonomy um, or the ability for nurses to use their own discretion and respond to patient care issues on their own, um, which, like we talked about earlier, control of their work responsibilities. Um, that's a very important aspect, as we saw above 
um, for psychologists, we see it here for nurses as well. Additionally, positive work environments for nurses include having good working relationships with physicians and hospital administration and working in a hospital with adequate staffing and resources. And that is like support, which we saw before with the, um, with the psychologist as well. Having a support system within work is very important for uh, preventing or resolving burnout. We see it here for nurses as well. Low staffing leads to a higher workload for nurses, so like fewer breaks or longer shifts, and that is strongly tied to burnout. Just as we saw with the psychologist, right? Working longer hours is tied to burnout. In addition to burnout caused by poor work environments, previous studies have shown that the combination of both healthcare provider burnout and poor working conditions is associated with lower levels of patient care quality and patient outcomes. So burnout can lead to reduced professional efficacy, as we saw with the definition in the World Health Organization, that like third dimension is reduced professional efficacy. So in nursing, a reduced professional efficacy means that patient care suffers. Recently, a study authored um, by Dr. Amelia Schlack, which is linked below, um, it came out in 2021, uh, address the relationships between work environment, nurse burnout, and patient outcomes. Firstly, the study aimed to explore how nurse burnout is related to patient outcome with the expectation that more nurse burnout would correspond with poorer patient outcomes. Next, the study investigated how the nurse work environment affects that relationship between nurse burnout and patient outcomes. So the authors expected to see that nurse burnout will have less of an effect on poorer patient outcomes in better work environments. So essentially, this is sort of a generalization, but in a really great work environment, nurses could be burnt out relatively, but the patients won't suffer. And then conversely, in poorer work environments, when a nurse is burnt out, the patients will suffer even more. That's what they're looking to see. So in order to investigate these aims, the study compiled information to determine nurse burnout and nurse work environment. To do this, they acquired survey results from 20,496 nurses across 523 hospitals in California, Pennsylvania, Florida, and New Jersey between the year of 2015 until 2016. Nurse burnout was quantified with the Maslock Burnout Inventory, which is a survey that includes a nine-item emotional exhaustion subscale, which quantifies nurse burnout on a scale from zero to 54. Nurse burnout measures were ranked among all of the nurses and divided into four quartiles. So basically saying, you know, the top 25%, the middle 25, or the middle 50%, and then the bottom 25% of um burnout scores, where a score of zero is not burnt out and a score of 54 is completely burned out. The work environment was measured based on the Practice Environment Scale of Nursing Work Index Survey, which was completed as by the same nurses. And this measurement accounts for environmental aspects like organization affairs, staffing and resource adequacy, and relations between nurse and physician. 
based on average results from nurses within the same hospital. So they like took all of the scores within a hospital. Um, they ranked the hospitals and again created categories based on quartiles with the bottom 25% as the poor work environments, the mixed um, environments are the middle 50% and then the good work environments are the top 25% scores. And then the patient data was collected from participating hospitals. Patient outcome measurements for each hospital included one mortality within 30 days of being admitted to the hospital. Um, so essentially the number of people who passed away within 30 days of arriving at the hospital, whether that was in the hospital or at home um, after they were discharged. Two was failure to rescue or in-hospital mortality within 30 days of hospital admission after experiencing an adverse event or injury caused by medical treatment. And three, the length of stay, where only patients with length of stay of less than 30 days were considered. The authors then did a multivariate regression to see how different factors like patient characteristics, hospital characteristics, and nurse work environment affected the relationship between nurse burnout and patient outcome measures. In total, over 20,000 nurses responded to the survey. Um, the average age of the nurses was 48, and the average years of experience among them was 20 years. On average, the nurse burnout score was a 21 out of 54. The degree of nurse burnout was skewed across hospital quality, so where most of the nurses working in hospitals with good work environments ranked among the lowest burnout levels. And conversely, more than 50% of nurses working in hospitals with poor work environments ranked among the highest quartile of burnout scores. So the worst work environments led to the more nurses being more burnt out. Data from almost 2 million patients were used to characterize the patient outcome measures across each hospital. On average, the patients were mostly white, mostly women. And the most common comorbidities in the patients were hypertension, obesity, diabetes, and chronic pulmonary disease. The 30-day in-hospital mortality rate was less than 1% for a total of about 15,000 patients who passed away within 30 days of arriving at the hospital. There was a 4.2% failure to rescue in patients who had an adverse event within the hospital, and the average length of stay was 4.3 days plus or minus five days. The authors found a significant relationship between nurse burnout and 30-day in-hospital mortality, where greater nurse burnout was associated with higher incidence of patient mortality. So the more burned out the nurses were, the higher the patient mortality was at that hospital. The association remained significant after controlling for patient characteristics like comorbidities and hospital characteristics like number of beds and technology resources. So that suggests that the nurse burnout is strongly tied to the risk of mortality in patients. There's also a significant relationship between nurse burnout and failure to rescue, where greater burnout was associated with increased odds of failure to rescue. Finally, there was a significant relationship between nurse burnout and length of stay, where greater burnout was associated with a longer stay. 
So when considering the quality of the work environment, the authors found that the quality of the work environment significantly affected the relationship between nurse burnout and patient outcomes. Um, So just as they hypothesized, right, when there was a better work environment, the degree of burnout in the nurses had less of an effect on the patient outcomes, whereas in a poorer work environment, the degree of nurse burnout had a greater effect on the patient outcomes. The work environment itself was also significantly related with patient outcomes as well. Um, So when they looked across the poor, mixed, and good work environments, they found that improving the work environment from poor to mixed or from mixed to good, the 30-day in-hospital mortality rate reduced by 14%, the failure-to-rescue rate reduced by 12%, and the length of stay reduced by 4%. So improving the environment um, was associated with improving patient outcomes. This study does have limitations, um, particularly the lack of longitudinal data prevents the authors from determining direct causality, right? Just because two things are related to each other doesn't mean that one causes the other. However, even with these limitations, the results from this study show that work environment and nurse burnout both are related to patient outcomes. Um, And this has implications in all clinical settings, particularly in patients who are high risk. And furthermore, with the COVID-19 pandemic, um, the pandemic has only intensified the burnout in clinical workers. So in order to optimize patient outcomes, if you know, we really want to prioritize patient safety, patient health, um, and allow for positive patient outcomes. Hospitals need to prioritize minimizing nurse burnout, and how they can do that is improving their work environments um, with increased control of nurse um, work responsibility. So, nurses allowing nurses to have more control over what they do in a day, and by um, increasing support, whether that be improved nurse administrator and nurse physician relationships, um, or allowing for additional resources. um, Those are all ways that improve the clinical working environment, which will then reduce the likelihood of nurse burnout. So... That was just a pretty interesting study, I thought, about, um, and super relevant, I think. This study, like I mentioned, came out in 2021, so I'm wondering if there's ongoing research now looking into burnout of clinical workers throughout the pandemic. Um, But I hope that, I don't really know, but I hope that hospitals are prioritizing um, clinical workers' well-beings and work environments in order to keep them from completely burning out because their jobs are very important. They keep people alive. So we want to make sure that they are always working as well as they can and they're as happy as they can and as stress-free as they can, which I, I know is very difficult in a stressful clinical environment. But hopefully hospitals are um, prioritizing the improvement of their work environments to keep their clinical workers safe and happy and not burnt out. (laughs) 
All right. So to close, hopefully we learned a bit about what burnout is, how it's defined within an occupational context and how it can be prevented. Um, And we also talked today about a relevant study talking about burnout in nursing and how the work environment affects relationships between nurse burnout and patient outcomes. And uh, if you're feeling burnt out at work, try to implement a few of those tips that we talked about in question two. Um, You know, considering things like in your job, are there ways that you can increase control? Are there ways that you can get additional support? Um, And if not, maybe when you look for a new job. It sounds like your job sucks. So maybe, no, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Maybe I'm not though, I don't know. Um, But maybe like when you look for a new job, you can prioritize looking for jobs in companies that allow their employees to have more control over their day um, and then also provide support, um, you know, encouragement and just have like a good working environment um, because that will prevent you from getting burnt out at work. Um, Also maintaining work-life balance. We didn't really talk about the research of that, but, um, you know, that's also important for reducing burnout, but also improving the quality of your life overall. So yeah, hopefully there were some good takeaways there for you. Um, I know that they were good takeaways for me. So, all right. Well, that's all for this week. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Sam Splaining Sci. Um, I've been so bad at Twitter. I think I tweeted like once, but I'm going to get better at Twitter. So follow me on Twitter. Um, Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram, and you can ask questions there if you'd like. I got a message from one of my friends this week that I'm that's going to be the topic of next week's episode, so I'm excited to get working on that for you guys. Um, but yeah, you can connect with me there and send ideas for episodes or like questions that you have. You can also submit your questions at samsplainingscience.com slash ask. Um, so there, if you like have an, a question but you want to submit it anonymously, you can do it there. Um, so if there's anything that you want Sam explain to you, ask away. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you learned a little bit and laughed a little bit, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.